Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Somos Moss, the official podcast of Somos Moss NM and your source for the latest news and notes on New Mexico United and the New Mexico Runners. My name, of course, is Seth Bidoff. Joining me this evening from the middle of the darkness, Jacob Terrell. And uh, <laughs> from the middle of uh, the floodplains, Earl Nieto. Uh, guys, thank you so much for being here. Jacob, uh, this also is a bit of a surprise you popping on. God damn it. It's gonna it's gonna be that kind of show, guys. Five seconds. That kind in. Of show. Five seconds in. All right. Um Jacob, I guess Earl, Earl you switch to your phone, see if that helps. Yeah. Okay, go ahead, Seth. Uh, so, Jake, a bit of a surprise that you hopped on this evening. Uh, as some of our fans know, you uh, your wife is expecting. You guys yep, are actually yep. uh, – you've been in the hospital for most of the day today. How is Allie doing? And uh, is there a baby Somos Moss yet? Uh, there is no baby yet. Uh, she's hanging in there. We're just kind of playing the waiting game. Uh, I didn't plan on hopping on. Uh, she said, are you hungry? I said, yeah, I'm getting there. She said, you should probably go get food now so that you don't wait till it's too late and i said yeah you're probably right and then i walked into the hallway and i was like oh yeah it's nine o'clock um and so i figured i'd hop on while i'm driving to wendy's to get me food well i appreciate you being here again big big night for your family uh soon to be data for as your uh, title there states mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um I, I was trying to think earlier if we had shared the name of the baby or not. Is this something you're willing to divulge live to everybody? Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay. Um, so her nickname will be Maggie, but her full name will be Magdalene. Um, middle name undecided. And then, of course, the last name Terrell. All right. Yeah, beautiful name. Uh, you know, Maggie, I think, is a, it's a fantastic nickname. Uh, I actually had a, a Maggie in my family uh, back at some point. So. Nice. Um, yeah, it's a really nice name. Uh, so congratulations again. Uh, hopefully Allie and baby continue to do well throughout the night. Uh, and once she's here, we will have baby Somos Moss. First ever, I like to think we had a part in this. Allie may not think so. <laughs> no, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> if anything, y'all <laughs> tried to hinder it. All right. Robert, appreciate you being over in the chat. Uh, Jacob did not pay his electric bill. That, uh, unfortunately, that fact is not true. Uh, Jacob is uh, on his way to buy some food for himself while he's waiting for his baby to be born. So uh, his car yeah, is running. Program, Harry. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, appreciate you being there, hanging out with us. Earl is uh, trying to do something. Earl's brain is is on a ten second lag, uh, like always. It's just uh, I don't I don't know what he's doing actually. Leave, leave. Okay, yeah. Now leave. You gotta leave on the laptop. You gotta leave on the laptop. I'm not gonna add both of them. You're just gonna have two Earls. <laughs> Apparently. Seth, um, that's what that's what you need to do if if I have to leave and Earl can't get on, uh-huh. then you just need to call yourself or uh uh get on, on your phone as well and then just uh, talk back and forth to yourself. You know, I, I considered doing that this evening. Uh, we were sitting close to showtime and Earl hadn't popped in yet. So I wasn't 100% sure if he was going to uh, be joining us. Okay, I don't know what he's doing. Earl. Okay, oh, yeah, I don't know me. that. That's me. I don't know if this is any better, but we'll, yeah, uh, give, it we'll try it. give it a second. Give it a second. It's got a buffer. Got a buffer. <laughs> we, uh, we told Earl he needs to get out to 56K after tonight, so. 
Earl, can you hear us? Oh God, I'm gonna I gotta screen cap that that. Uh... Earl, can you hear us? Earl's just staring at the screen. I'm gonna screen cap that. There we go. Oh goodness. <laughs> um, while while Earl is uh, <laughs> figuring out his connection, uh, uh, you know, Jacob, it's been a busy week for New Mexico United. It's, I know it's been something that uh, that fans have been kind of wondering if this kind of week would ever happen for the club this year. Two wins and two matches, one over rivals Phoenix Rising in the Open Cup, one over Orange County SC at the weekend. Uh, how just in general, you know, how big of a momentum swing do you think this is for the club? I think, I think it's huge. Um, in part, because it seems like we've, we've tweaked a couple things that have seemed to work. If we would have just come out, kind of played like we had been and got lucky with two results, I'd be a little less excited. Um, and, and think it might just be a, a blip and we might continue our, our form of mediocrity, but with the uh, with the changes that that Zach seemed to make uh, with the lineup, having you know, in the in the midweek we had Wagner and and Dolling uh, start, and then of course Hurst came on in relief of Wagner, and and uh, I think I have that right. It's been a long week for myself too, so I might be uh, slightly off on my facts, but um, either way, it was two two forwards starting. Uh, and playing basically the whole time. And then again, uh, Saturday night, you had Hurst and Doling. Um, I mean, you if you're a New Mexico United fan and you aren't familiar with those two guys after Saturday night, especially, I don't know what you're doing. Um, and then Wagner came on and, and replaced Hurst, and we still looked pretty dangerous at times. So because of the tweaks that we've made and, and the fact that it seems like we're on to something, I think it's a huge momentum shift, and uh, we get to find out on Friday on another short week um, whether or not it's going to be able to at least somewhat sustain. Harry over in the chat. Harry, how are you doing this evening? Appreciate you being here. Uh, appreciate that, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, Jacob, like you mentioned, uh, a, couple, a very slight shift in the formation that we saw over the past two matches, and that was something that Zach talked about in the presser uh saturday night uh, i asked him about it and he said he didn't necessarily change anything i uh, i didn't think the formation changed all that much i mean compared to some other matches like it definitely at least what was reported on uslchampionship.com saturday night showed a 4-1-2-1-2 which is not something that we typically see reported a whole lot i have to go back and look and see how how they've had it in the other matches but Typically, we see something more along the lines of a four-two-three-one or something of that nature, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, but what Zach said was that he ba- he really didn't shift the formation all that much, more so how they played. And right. Josh and Greg Saturday night say that they play they both play more of a nine role, with both they of did. them taking turns dropping back and dropping into mm-hmm. space. So maybe that's all it was. And and to Zach's point, it was that you know. It, to have a look that confuses opponents to where they're not sure as to what's going on. looks like it may play into our advantage. Yeah. Especially with those two being so interchangeable up top. Um, I mean, we saw countless times where Hurst was dropping back and Doling was the, the high forward. And then, then you look up five minutes later and they'd be flip flopped. And then you'd look up five minutes later, they'd be flip flopped again. 
And so that really did play a part in uh, in the looks that we were able to change up and, and give to Orange County. And then I think um, I think having having Harry, uh, I know John over on on Twitter was talking about a three at the back system with Harry and Suggs playing more wing backs, and that's not really how I saw it most of the time. Uh, it was basically the four at the back with Yearwood, Ryden, Seymour, and Suggs, but Suggs would play that bomber role where he'd come flying up. And uh, Yearwood, Yearwood did that a couple times as well. He stayed back a little bit more, but having Harry on that side with Yearwood um, kind of allowed us to be able to, when we were out of possession, drop Harry back. And I don't think he necessarily played, you know, as a five at the back mm-hmm. ever that I really saw, but he was right there supporting that back line right in front of them with Portillo um, right there. And, and it gave us a really, really good defensive look when we were out of possession. The only times we really got caught out defensively was those situations where Yearwood might have come up a little bit. In fact, one of them I know Yearwood had had pressed and was all the way up in R18, um, or in their 18, I'm sorry. And a long ball came up over the top, and we didn't have that coverage back there. But Harry eventually got back and, and uh, made it difficult so that <clears> – <throat> they couldn't get a shot on goal, which was nice. So um, overall, I mean, whatever tactical tweaks they made, whatever um, formation lineup changes they made, everything seemed to work really well. If it's not for an unfortunate bounce off of Suggs' head and um, and a couple of chances over the top, uh, I, I thought we played, I mean, just absolutely outstanding. Yeah, real quick for those of you in the chat, Jacob is uh, in and around a hospital. His, his wife has been there since earlier today. They are expecting their fourth child this evening. Uh, Jacob has gone to get food for everybody, at least for you know himself anyway. Uh, Earl was here. He's having some internet issues, so Earl has uh, blessed us to go ahead and proceed without him this evening. So uh, appreciate you guys being in the chat. Uh, so no, Jacob is not at a rave. Uh, at least not this evening. Uh, his wife might be upset with him if he did that tonight of all nights. So, yeah. Uh, but to your point, no, I mean, they're really, and I saw that same thread that you did from, from John over on, uh, over on Twitter over the weekend. And while I can, I can see where you're coming from in that, where it just didn't necessarily look like a three at the back with two wingbacks. One thing that I noticed and this is something I was talking about in the in the press box, is that if you watch Santi and Suggs on that on that left side on Saturday night, mm-hmm. it looks so much like 2019. It did. The the overlaps on both wings. I mean, it almost looked like we were playing true wingbacks um, with just how quickly they were getting up and down and those overlapping runs, and it just created a lot of mismatches for Orange County on Saturday. But for me, the biggest thing from both of these matches is that United played with confidence. And that's something that we haven't seen a lot of this season. Mm-hmm. Even after the even after the goals were given up against Phoenix and the and the own goal against Orange County at the weekend, the guys they kept their heads up, they kept playing, and they just didn't let up, which was really incredible to see. And I'm really that's probably the biggest thing. As Zach talked about it, you know, both nights in the pressers last yeah. week. Yeah, and, and we did see that in both matches. Um, I, I'm 
I'm a little distracted, so I, I'm sorry. I apologize if you mentioned that already. But in both of those matches, we give up a goal, a tying goal. And uh, instead of um, putting our heads down and, and playing with a, a lack of passion after that, like we've seen us seen this team do in the past, not only this year, but in, in previous years as well, uh, they actually turned up the pressure, which is what I think most of the fans have been clamoring for is, I mean, some have been talking about Zach and, and tactics, but a lot of it has been um, for on my end, especially is like, what's, what is going on with, with, um, with the passion and the effort and everything like that. And it's, it's finally kind of showing that, Hey, uh, they, they do care, which we always knew, but okay. So I'm going to pause for 15 seconds while I order this food. Okay. Uh, so you just talk amongst yourself. I will, I will, I'll vamp here. Um, yeah, no, it, and it's something that really has been lacking. And Zach had talked about it in the off week, uh, or the weeks leading up prior to this. And then to see United come out, particularly in a rivalry match against Phoenix rising one that we've seen countless times before a match where we know it's going to be tough. We know that rising are going to come out and, and, you know, there was a, there was a bit of a dust up there right before halftime. Uh, Phoenix went down a man and it just, yeah, it, it was a, it was a competitive match, a, a real stupid decision by Njai of uh, a Phoenix rising to put his team down a man. And then Phoenix, I mean, really came out and seemed to be on the front foot in the second half. But yeah, coming into that, United looked strong in the first half. They looked confident on and off the ball. They were making good decisions. And same thing Saturday against Orange County. Like we saw really crisp passing. Uh, I was looking at the halftime stats and looking at the looking at some you know some past performances from the club. And that was that match on Saturday was one of the best passing accuracy matches that United has ever had. So guys were really like on their game. They were finding the open lanes. They're, you know, getting guys uh, in space. And then you look at the play from, you know, Josh Dolling from Sam Hamilton, you know, guys just made an absolute, uh, you know, undeniable effort on Saturday evening. And Josh Dolling, of course, you know, creates club history, first player in club history, get three assists in a single match. So congratulations to him for that. Um, Ah, uh, there we go. Over in chat. I think it's funny how Phoenix fans and pundits keep saying we're not really much of a rivalry. Then they come here and get so tilted that five guys get carded in the end of the first half. I you know what? This is this has been my contention. And this is a this is a fight that we've had, an argument we had here on on the on the podcast. Um I know a lot of people pref- prefer to say that El Paso is the rivalry, and I get it. I understand that one. But for me, the, this rivalry with Phoenix Rising has been so close every single match. If you go back, you look at the records. If I, if I remember correctly, it's two, uh, well, it's not three wins for United, four draws, and like two losses each. So, yeah, it's it's been one of the, and aside from the the 7 nil drubbing we gave their academy kids last summer, um, th- there really hasn't been much separation be- between these the- two clubs. The Academy kids and Darnell King. I just wanted to throw yeah. that out there. No, I agree. Darnell. Yeah, no, I agree. I don't like Darnell King either. So, um, but yeah, I agree. I, I, yeah, it, I, there's so many, yeah, I, I, I agree. There's so many people that are saying that it's not a rivalry, but it is. You look at how the players react to it, you look how up they get for that match. 
And it really is one of the ones that you want to see every year. Uh, eventually, I'm going to make that trip out to Phoenix to see the return match at some point. But yeah, it's just it's always a physical affair. It always is. And so to see the effort that came out there, and I know some people are arguing Harry. Harry is one person who was arguing, saying that, that Daniel Bruce should have picked up a red card uh, for his actions Wednesday night. Um, being a USSF certified referee, I could have seen giving him a yellow. There was nothing he did that was violent conduct. There was nothing that he did that warranted multiple yellows. So did he get away with a little bit? Yes. Um, I would have given him a yellow for what I saw, but he absolutely did not deserve a red. And I mean, Brucey just, I, you can't speak, speak enough about the effort that Brucey put in to that match on Wednesday night. And he came off, uh, with an injury, which we later found out was a fractured wrist. He'll be out for a couple weeks. Uh, I think somewhere around the neighborhood of four, maybe maybe four to six weeks is what we've been told. So uh, they did have do surgery on his wrist last week. So he uh, I mean, can't say enough about Daniel Bruce, but he will definitely be missed uh, during his absence. So um, Jacob, do you have any thoughts on that rivalry there to the comment that we had in chat? Do you think that, uh, that it's really nothing or do you think that there's something there? No, I mean, it's clearly a rivalry. Um, and I've, I've been on, on record saying that El Paso was the bigger rival just because we had played them more um, when we were in those pods and regions or whatever you want to call it earlier uh, through the COVID years. But now that we're back to playing both of them twice a year, I think we definitely see Phoenix being the fiery, more fiery match um, by far. Uh, and, and you see that, I mean... You mentioned the all the cards and everything like that. One second. Yep. <laughs> Jacob is picking up his dinner uh, while he is waiting for his child to be born. Um, so, yeah, it's – and I tend to agree with that. I think we get overindulged with El Paso and the other members of our of our region, you know, during the COVID years. And I, you know, we talked, we talked about before, like I got completely sick and tired of writing about those same four clubs for two years straight. So going back to see these, the other clubs again, I think we'll reignite some of that. I mean, we saw some, we saw some fiery moments against Colorado Springs a couple weeks ago. We saw the, you know, the fireworks against Phoenix. Uh, and I expect there to be some, some more when we go back to Phoenix here in a few months. But yeah, it's, uh, I, I think it's a rivalry that gets, I guess really understated by Phoenix mm-hmm. fan, Phoenix by Phoenix fans in particular because they don't dominate it. And number two, I think it gets understated by pundits, as it was said, uh, because no one really looks at it as one big. And people say, "Oh, you know, distance and this, that, and the other." Um, and yes, there is bad blood between us and El Paso. Don't get me wrong; there certainly is. You know, Yuma is a master of the dark arts, but this is. A, yeah, this is a rivalry. It really is, and the and you can you you know it's a, a big match for the players to come mm-hmm. out and put up the performance that they did against someone a club like Phoenix. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. I think uh, I think you could tell. I'm not not going to say that that uh, you know going down the goal and then that fire that we were just talking about after we went down was strictly because it was phoenix but i think that definitely helped uh and then you know it, it also i mean it didn't hurt that you know we had we did have the man advantage there and we should have probably been on the front foot even more than what we were um 
But at the end of the day, we advance. Uh, we don't have to go through extra time or PKs like we've had to uh, against Phoenix in the past. And so it's a win in my book being able to finish it in regulation, advance, and be able to rest uh, rest our legs as far as not having to play extra time uh, before this Orange County match that we had on Saturday. Yeah, and the other result of the Open Cup victory over Phoenix Rising is that we went into the round of 32 draw where we found out we will be playing uh, May 10th against Austin FC. Uh, Harry and Robert have some history with Robert, with Austin FC, so they uh, they would know a little bit more about that club. So I'm going to have to do some research into Austin uh, ahead of that match next week. I believe of the opponents that we could have drawn, and I could be wrong, I think Austin is having the better season of the three. Because SKC has won like one match all season. Maybe it's two. And then Houston yeah, is SK- not much better. Well, SKC is, I mean, all three of them are kind of down. Mm-hmm. Uh, even Austin is nowhere near what they were last season. Um, SKC is a shell of themselves, mainly because of injury. Austin isn't really because of injury. They're just in down form. Uh, SKC is, I think, all three of their DPs are out right now. Um, and so in the MLS, it's, it can be very difficult to compete when you're paying three designated players and none of them are actually contributing. So that's, that's part of their problem. And then Houston's Houston. I mean, they're, they're not good. They're not bad. They're not anything. They're just there at the moment. So a a really kind of a fortunate pod to be put in. Uh, when you're looking at that versus like the likes of LAFC or um, uh, Seattle and them, or even, I mean, the Rapids, we've, we've, we've beat them already, but uh, they're at least playing a little bit better than the other two or the other three teams in the region or the, the pod that we got put in. So fortunate draw. And I think Austin is, Austin's going to be fun. I think you can look at Austin in a lot of ways and um, kind of aspire to, if we were to ever move to MLS, which I don't really want, but if we were, you can kind of look at Austin and their supporters and their stadium and stuff and kind of be like, that's what we could be. Mm-hmm. Um, much like Minnesota United when we played them a few years ago. So it, it's a it's a good draw. It's an exciting matchup between um, uh, an up-and-coming MLS team that finished second in the, or in the West last year uh, versus us, who obviously the history that we have in the open cup is pretty vibrant, uh, from our quarterfinal run in 2019. And so I'm, I'm really excited for that match and, and can't wait for the 10th. Yes. A couple of corrections here on my part. Uh, I did pull up the MLS standings. Kansas city is sitting dead last in the Western conference mm-hmm. with a record of zero seven and three. Austin is sitting 11th, with a record of two, four and three. And Houston is sitting sixth uh, on 13 points with a record of four, three and one. So, uh, Harry, thank appreciate you saying that he, uh, that Houston is having the better year there. Did want to double check that again. I haven't paid much attention to the Western Conference because Atlanta United is, of course, in the East and playing very, very well this year so far. Um, so good to know Austin is having injuries and locker room issues. Okay, good to know. Yeah, I'm gonna have to look do some. I have to look into Austin here a little bit before that match so that I have a better idea of what they play, who they have, and whatnot. So that, again, May 10th in Austin. Um, mm-hmm. So looking forward to that. Uh, all, for we, what we've been told, all round of 32 matches will be broadcast live. 
so no hunting and pecking through YouTube or CBS Sports Colosso or wherever to try to find a broadcast of that match. Uh, it will be streamed live, I think, on Bleacher Report. Uh, we'll find out yeah. soon, I believe. It is the Bleacher um, Report app, I believe. Okay, that's what I thought. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely gave the guys some confidence going into Saturday against Orange County. And I mean, I just, again, can't speak highly enough of the performances by Josh Dalling, uh, you know, and Greg Hurst, you know, Greg Hurst with the brace, Dalling with the triple assist match. Uh, I mean, just outstanding performances all around. Um, I mean, you could pick, look at pretty much anybody in, in the team sheet on Saturday and pick out a moment or two where they, where they stood out on the pitch. And, you know, another guy that really stood out on the night was Harry Swartz. Harry had a phenomenal defensive night. Uh, his work rate was just absolutely outstanding. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, Harry, Rivas, uh, you mentioned Santi and Suggs uh, with a circa 2019 performance almost. Um, Portillo had... One thing that stood out to me was Portillo had like five or six just beautiful passes that just took out like the entire Orange County midfield. Mm-hmm. None of them really led to anything substantial, but I mean, there were several, one of which in the second half, I recall, uh, he found Moreno, um, basically went from, was he was inside our final third and went all the way into Orange County's final third with the pass and just completely bisected or uh, bypassed that middle middle third. Um, and Moreno got onto it and and had a chance to find Suggs. Uh, the pass was left wanting a little bit, which um, honestly, when are we going to talk about Moreno? Um, I mean, he didn't start, I think, either match this this week. And that's that's there's probably reasons for that. So when are we going to talk about the Moreno problem, or do you not see it as a problem? Um, you know, ever since Moreno came back last fall after his torn ACL, he just didn't look the same. He looked unconfident on on the ball. He made too many silly passes. He and when he did pass, he he wasn't you know making the passes soon enough. He was taking too many touches, and he was just he was dribbling himself into bad spots. And from what I've seen, you know, early on this year, he's still not, he does still doesn't seem quite there to me. Now I would say that Saturday night was his best showing of the season. (laughs) I strongly disagree. Well, so, okay. You look at that. He comes on, he makes it, he has a, he does make a difference there within minutes of of being introduced into the match. Okay, he made a difference. He made a difference in the sense that it was headed to his chest, um, which he was. I mean, he was in good position. I'll give him that. Yeah. But the pass to Doling was behind Doling. Doling made a miraculous touch and turned to get back to it, and then obviously with the nutmeg assist to Hurst. But it was it was not a good pass. He just happened to be in the right position, or maybe he was was meant to be in that right position. But I mean, the headed ball from Richards was literally hit, hit Mondo in the chest. Um, yeah. No, yeah. I can agree with that. Uh, Harry. Absolutely. I would appreciate that. Bud. 
Um, yeah, so no, I, I agree. Like he, he did get a little bit fortunate there to be, you know, in the right place at the right time. But you know, that's the situation where when you look at Amando last season after the, after the injury return, he would have likely dribbled that ball towards the, towards the, you know, towards the byline and just gotten himself stuck. But this time he, well, he did that. He did that four times today on top of several missed passes. There was the one. He literally receives the ball just inside of our half, turns, dribbles to about 30 yards out, stops, doesn't know what to do with it. I think he kind of trips or slips, Mm -hmm. but then allows the Orange County player coming back and backtracking to just take the ball off his feet. And then he had another one where Doling finds him on a very nice slip pass, and Moreno, the, the defender... Goes to get the ball, doesn't get it, goes to ground to get it. So now Moreno is standing up with the ball at his feet, one-on-one with the keeper, and doesn't even get a shot off. It's 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 an issue that I wish we didn't have, because Mondo, pre, pre the El Salvador call-up, because I think even, mm-hmm. even before the injury, between the El Salvador call-up and the injury, he just hasn't looked like the Mondo of the first half of 20. What would that have been? 2021. Um, yeah, I agree. I he, agree with he, you. He hasn't looked the same. And when you have players like Harry and Bruce, when he comes back and Suggs and Santi and I mean, the list goes on and on when you have players that are coming in and producing and playing much better than he is and not costing us some chances. Uh, if he, I understand like maybe getting him a start when, you know, coming up like either RGV or Austin or the match after Austin, which I believe is here against Monterey Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, when we have some squad rotation, but I think it's telling that Zach said going into that Phoenix match, we're going to put our best 11 out there for that Phoenix match. And Mondo wasn't in it. Brucey was mm-hmm. now, obviously Brucey went down, but I think that's, that speaks a lot to uh, Mondo and Mondo's place in this pecking order right now. And I don't, he doesn't seem like the type of player that a benching will motivate him and get him going. Cause he, you see him drop his head uh, when he makes mistakes so much. He doesn't seem to be that type to be like, Oh man, I got to get things going. And maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong because I really do love Mondo. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he is a key part of what we need to have to be successful. Even if he's a depth piece and not a starter, we need him to be able to come in and convert a chance that he is given. Um, so even though he gets the hockey assist Saturday night, I thought it was a, a glaring, glaringly bad game for him. And I'm I'm genuinely concerned uh, where his place in the team is at, where his head's at right now. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what to think about it. Let me. I'm gonna pull up his stats here real quick. I mean, and I'll definitely I'll go back and watch that match again. But I don't know. Like I, I agree with you. I don't think that benching him is is a good motivator for him. He seems to me like a guy and it's something that, you know, I've kind of noted about him in the past is that he needs consistency. He needs, um, 
he needs a, a confidence booster, you know, mm-hmm. like he needs to be out there doing something and doing it well. <clears throat> at, at least that's how I see it. Um, but if we I, haven't seen that in almost two years, uh, aside from glimpses here and there, but we haven't seen any consistency there, what do you do with a player like that in that situation? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. Um, it's not like you can, it's not like he's an academy kid and you can put him in the academy roster, you know, um, right to get him some, some time and some chances and things like that. I mean, Amando Saturday evening, six passes, passing accuracy, 16.7%. One shot, off great, get one chance. Created. No, it's not great at all. Like I'll, I'll so go back I have- and watch it. Like I, I felt like he, he, I don't know, from what I, was paying attention to as far as he goes. Like, I felt like he had a better evening, but I don't know. I have to go back and so, look at it. So I, I took some match notes here. Um, he comes in in the 62nd minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he takes it off the chest and gets the doling. Um, but like I said, not the best uh, pass there. Uh, and then I have, I, I just have the two, the two main, two, I think there were three chances I didn't take notes on one of them. One of them, he dribbles to the touchline and never gets across or anything off. Um, And then the other two major plays that he had were three major plays he had was that line breaking pass from Portillo that he tries to get to Suggs, but it's just not a, not on, not where the pass wasn't where it needs to be. He has the one where he gets it in space, dribbles to the middle of nowhere, stops, slips, whatever happens. And then gets the ball taken from him before he can even pass it. And that was on a break. I mean, it wasn't like, I mean, Orange County had some people back, but we had some people making some runs that he could have found and he didn't. Mm-hmm. Then he has the the ball from Doling that he doesn't even get a shot off. And then he has, um, what else was there? Maybe that was it. Uh, so he just, it, it watched, watched from the 62nd minute on. And he scores that goal right after coming on, literally like the minute after he comes on. Right, and then yeah. after that, he every time he touches the ball, the only good thing you could say comes out of it is the pass to Suggs, because at least he sees that pass and tries to make it. Mm-hmm. But it ends up not being a good pass. And then everything else he does uh, left me screaming at my TV. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I will definitely go back and rewatch it. But, I mean, it's... I... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to what to think about him and his performances this year. But at the end of the day, I, I was very negative on that, and I didn't mean to be because I mean, it was a fantastic win, and he was really the lone spot that I was like, man, because even Sam comes on late and does a lot of good things. Mm-hmm. Portillo, I mentioned the back line played solid all night. Um, like I said, they did get beaten behind a little bit a couple times when we were caught attacking, but. Uh, they're able all to recover. Tambacus was a brick wall back there. Um, he pr- proved to me that Monterey Bay was a fluke because I don't think I want, I don't think there's another keeper out there, maybe Jordan Farr, that I want in a 1v1 situation mm-hmm. uh, other than Tambacus. I mean, he made two fantastic 1v1 saves tonight. He had another one off of a a long throw in in the first half that gets actually the second half, sorry, that gets kind of bounced around and ends up at the far post off of an orange County player's chest who puts a freaking rocket on frame 
and Tamakis is able to parry it away. Um, and and even the 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 save that he made on the ball that ends up in the back of the net was a fantastic save. Uh, it just so happened that Suggs sees it and thinks he can hit it wide and just doesn't get enough on the header to get it wide and ends up in the back of the net. But that was still a fantastic save from Tabakis before, right before that happened. So um, just a brick wall back there for him. Yeah, no, great match for Alex. Obviously, I think he was credited with four <coughs> saves on the evening. He made some really, uh, really great saves. And, uh, you know, on, on the few opportunities that, that Orange County did get that were actually, you know, threatening. Um, but yeah, really uh, across the board, a well-played match for United. Um well, I know you don't have too much longer, so we'll go ahead and jump uh, real quick. Who was your man of the match for Saturday? Ah, uh, Dolling. Dolling. Okay. But, I, I mean, mean he, I, had, I agree. he had he had three three assists. He had the ball to Moreno. That if Moreno puts a shot on frame, you at least give yourself a chance to get a fourth assist. And then he had another one to Wagner after Wagner came on. Um, Wagner cuts it back and and just doesn't think he has a shooting lane, so he actually passes it to Moreno who then turns and gives it to Rivas, but he was so key in, in a lot of really, really good things there that um, I know Hurst gets the brace and, and Rivas scores, but Dolan was the one pulling the strings there and, and having him, him and Hurst be up there and then Dolan being able to drop back into that 10 false nine category, whatever you want to call it. I mean, he, it was a, it was a light bulb moment for sure for this team. And I expect him to be in that spot. Uh, probably even we after we and everybody comes back. Looking ahead to Friday, RGV, RGV comes into the, comes into the weekend having scored <coughs> they've got one win and two goals in their last five matches. They've got uh, two draws, two losses in there as well. Their one win was a one nil victory over Detroit city FC. Um, this is a club that I'm not sold on. Now, I know historically we have not played well down at HEB Park. Uh, New Mexico United is, in fact, winless at HEB Park. Um, looking ahead to this one, what do you think United has to do to get a win uh, at a place that they've never won before? I think much of what we saw them do uh, over this last week, and that's just uh, have an attacking mindset, uh, continue to... To push, not necessarily a high press, but you know they they did a really good job of of when Orange County had the ball, um, and there were people around them instead of just kind of sitting back. They definitely pushed forward and and wanted to win the ball back right away. And so if they keep that up and keep that mindset up and uh, look to score um, in that advance or that vast open space of of AGB Park there, I think they'll be just fine. And I, I think the RGV isn't what they have been in the past. I think they're definitely um, definitely more vulnerable than they have been in the past, especially at home. We've kind of seen that uh, this season so far. So uh, I think that's what we're going to do. Yeah, RGV, you mentioned that they're 0-1-3 at home so far this season. And they're not playing to the same level that they have over the past few years. Um, yeah, I completely agree. If United can go down, play with some confidence, you know, keep play high possession, high quality passes, uh, maybe see some more of these overlapping runs, you know, get guys in space. Uh, United's got a really good shot about making it three matches in a row. Yeah, going to labor and delivery. 
Thank you. Thank you. Um, so sorry. That's fine. Uh, real quick score line prediction, Jacob. Uh, I think we uh, I think we blank them two nil. Two nil. All right, there you go. Um, yeah, United's playing with confidence. They're they're looking really good right about now. We've had some really uh, a really big upswing in the quality of play over these past two matches. Um, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I would go. I would say two nil as well. I think United can do it. I finally get the clean sheet this time. I mean, obviously, you know, the goal Saturday night was a bit of a fluky own goal. So, um, yeah, there you have it. We'll get Earl's prediction at some point between now and Friday. Um, <laughs> Jacob, congratulations again to you and Allie. Hopefully, there's a baby here before too long. Uh, appreciate you hopping on for the time that you did have. And uh, we'll let you get back to your wife. Okay, let me get that. I appreciate that. Um, uh, yeah, just a, a good win. I've got a game on Friday. I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully, I'll be holding my baby while I'm watching that game. And uh, thank you for for doing what you do. And hopefully, Earl can figure his crap out and get <laughs> on the show sometime this year. Yeah. If not, we'll uh, we'll see if we can't pull some of our other creators in as well. So, uh, Jacob, go be with your wife, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, buddy. Sounds good, man. Someone send me this. Someone send this. All right, folks. Thank you guys so much for hanging out. Harry, Robert. Um, I know who the mute Kai is. I uh, appreciate you being here. Earl being in the chat. Appreciate all of you for hanging out and being with us. A little bit shorter episode this evening. Uh, technical issues for Earl. Jacob is at the hospital with his wife where they are expecting your fourth child. Uh, so we will be back next Tuesday night. 9 o'clock Mountain Time to talk about the match at RGV. We're also going to talk about the upcoming Open Cup match against Austin FC as well as the return home on the 13th when United plays Monterey Bay for the second time this season. So, again, guys, appreciate you being here. As always, be sure to rate, review, subscribe on whatever platform you watch or listen to the podcast on. We do appreciate that. And until next time, Somos Unidos. You've been listening to Somos Mas, your source for the latest news and notes on New Mexico United, the USL, and the New Mexico Runners. All of our shows are recorded live on Tuesday nights and are streamed on our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter pages. An audio-only version of the show goes live later in the week on all major podcast platforms. Our show is written and produced by Seth Bidoff, Jacob Terrell, and Earl Nieto, and is edited by Seth. All episodes are recorded and edited using StreamYard and Audacity.